Welcome to A Better HR Business, the podcast that looks at how HR consultants and HR tech firms grow their businesses and how they help their employers to get the best out of their people. Remember, for show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Okay, let's get started. Hello, and thanks for joining me today. It's nice to have you along. I'm really looking forward to my chat today with Rachel Barker. Rachel recently stepped up her HR consulting business to the next level, and I really love the way she's gone about it. So, hi, Rachel. Thank you very much for joining me on the show. Hi, Ben. Thanks for having me. Hello, all the listeners out there as well. (laughs) Absolutely. Whereabouts are you based? So, I'm in Hertfordshire. I'm in St Albans. We're very close to London, so I work a lot in London. Nice. Yeah. Lovely part of the world. That's for sure. Absolutely. Um, Brilliant. So you've got a a fascinating history and you've chosen a fascinating industry. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Do you want to start by giving us a little bit about your background and what led you to this point in your business? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. So I come from a background very much, which is administrative and sort of general management led. And I didn't get into HR specifically until about five years ago. Um, And then about two years ago, I went freelance. And if you'd have spoken to me even two years ago, I would have probably said, oh, no, I'd I'd never do that. I'm quite a fairly risk averse person. Mm -hmm. Um, But actually, it was my mental health and well-being that made the decision for me. And actually, it's the best decision I think I I probably ever made. I think of myself as a freelance project manager and administrator. Um, I have a qualification in HR, which I did um, in one whilst working one of my jobs. Um, but hopefully as we sort of progress our, our chat, it will become clear why I don't just say that I focus purely on, on HR because, um, because of the particular industry I work in. Um, so I didn't come through a traditional HR method. I haven't always worked in the sector. I didn't do an HR degree or an MBA. Um, I actually feel as though um, it was a more roundabout way and almost like I fell into it, but in a good way. Um, I did an arts management degree. I was a mature student when I did that. And I went down a a path of career in theatre administration. And the reason for focusing on on theatre is from a young age being involved in the creative and performing arts. Um, During my A-levels, it became very clear I was never going to make performing my career. Uh, So I was very much a backstage person. Um, And I worked my way through Fringe Theatre, Theatre and Education. I've been in the West End, off West End, producing venues, um, spent a long time at at one theatre and I was promoted several times and worked with a a fantastic bunch of people, one of whom is now a mentor and also a very close friend. And that's where I started my HR qualification because I was doing so much of the HR within within this particular theatre company. Um, So I then enhanced my professional practice and I stepped outside of the theatre industry, went into the private sector and and, and the corporate world for a couple of years, missed theatre dreadfully, and that's when I took the plunge to become a freelancer. (laughs) So when you hear on the the business shows or whatever, follow your passion, you you really did, right? I did. I absolutely did. Yeah. And not for the money, may I say. (laughs) Um, I've earned the, the least money I've probably... Um, ever earned um, when I started freelancing and I went from the most money I was ever earning in in the corporate sector Um, but that just goes to show that that I don't think happiness is I don't think money brings you happiness essentially. Is that the industry-wide then in terms of no money or lower fees? Well (laughs) 
Um, I work in the charitable sector, so I, I don't work in the commercial theatre industry. Um, I'd say there's probably there's probably a bit more money going on there. Um, but yeah, I, I think most freelancers that work in the theatre industry, and particularly obviously at the moment, there's so many of them um, that aren't earning any money um, given the pandemic. But I think mm. most freelancers would say we do it for the love of it. We don't do it for the money. Yeah, sure. No, that makes sense. And so what kind of consulting you morphed from backstage management side of things towards the HR side of things? So what kind of consulting services do you provide and to whom? Yeah, um, so I'm, I, I think, as I said, my, my tagline tends to be I'm a freelance project manager and administrator, and I like to help leaders in the performing arts to successfully manage their people and create better organizations and I'm um, yeah that's on my website as well (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm passionate about being working with small creative organizations it doesn't just have to be be theater I I come from a a background where I've worked in um, fine arts photography Um, uh, I've done a little bit of time working with a with a dance company very early in my career so but theater is is where I spent the most time um, and really, it's it's where you've got a situation where often you haven't got the in-house HR skills, you haven't got the resources or the capacity, um, but you are possibly um, a senior leader in the organisation that's responsible for overseeing HR. And you just need that level of support from somebody to get projects off the ground or to do a bit of review of your, your processes and maybe um, for, get more long-term provision in. So for quite a few organizations, I've worked with them to find out what they actually need in the long-term um, and to source um, a particular sort of HR platform or system or provider for them. But I've also worked with organizations and reviewed their, um, their contracts for them, their policies and procedures, or done some work around mental health. Um, and then again, I, I kind of can spread out from beyond HR as well Um, and I can look at things like working with their board on any particular governance projects I've done that for one company recently Um, or if we're needing to do things like look at their values and their mission statement um, and sort of organizing those sorts of discussions and and helping to facilitate those Um, so very much working with the the business leaders to essentially give them back a bit more of their time and headspace to focus on on the bigger picture, the overall strategy and business plan. And actually I'm there to get involved in, in some of the legwork and do some of the nitty gritty for them. Um, I also work with a performing arts school um, in St Albans where I'm based. And it's very interesting to see the amount of crossover and transferable HR skills that I bring to that role um, where I'm essentially again, running the operational side of, of the business for them. Um, doing training with the teachers um, and supporting the teachers with delivering um, the the content and also then supporting the the principal of the school as well who is a essentially like an artistic director of a theatre company Um, and I'm I'm doing the the operational administration side for her. Nice it's quite a range and yeah I love the fact that you mentioned that you're giving leaders back their time and, and a bit more headspace because sometimes consultants in, in any field in the human resources industry, they focus on what we often say, you know, features and benefits. So they talk about the features. I do this thing or this service uh, and not think about, well, what's the actual outcome? What's the end result? Mm. Because plenty of other consultants will do something similar, but you've got to think about what's the end result. So you're, you're getting them time and uh, headspace, as you said. I like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think all of the 
the leaders that I've worked with, there's a real um, understanding and desire there that they want to look after their team in the best way that they can, but they're not HR experts and they don't have that um, that that facility in house. You know, they don't have a, a dedicated HR person, and it's just another thing that they have to to oversee and manage. And it can so easily be the thing that that sometimes um, doesn't get the focus it needs until there's a problem, until something's going wrong, and actually that's when it can then be much more time consuming than it needs to be if you've not got in there and um, sort of got hold of something yeah. at the root of the problem or the nub of the problem or got a system in place that helps support the team um, in, a, in a, that requires um, less uh, time from, from you as a, as a leader, but that can be sort of managed by your, your managers and responsibility taken by the employees as well yeah. to, to manage the, them themselves. I imagine you cover a wide range of services and you can resolve many different types of problems. Do you offer your services in a bespoke way or have you got sort of customized or standardized packages or how do you actually uh, approach and then describe your services to potential clients? I would say at the moment, um, because I have only recently, like you said, sort of stepped up a gear. I'm still very much at what I would call the bespoke stage. And I'm probably yep. not maximizing my profits, if you like, but I'm not somebody um, because of the industry I work in. I'm not somebody that's that's focused on the bottom line. And actually, when I work with a business, I want to feel as though I'm part of, of the business and I'm getting to know them and I'm almost like an extension of their team. So I'm not just there to, and I this is not, not suggesting that this isn't also a, a very um, viable and valuable approach, but I'm not just there to supply them with, here's a load of information, here's a load of templates, here's a load of documents you can use, off you go. I actually want to come into the business and work with them and understand what they need. So I would say it's very bespoke in which case it can also um, sort of take up more of my time. I've recently started on a retainer with one particular client. So yep. for me, that's a new thing. And that's going to be interesting to, to see how that works, um, because I am somebody who's a bit of a perfectionist. And I do like to do the research. And, you know, I'm a reflector theorist. So I like to think about things and understand things and come back to them. Um, so so yeah, you know, I may I may learn quite a lot from that myself, as well as obviously supplying the um, the business with a with a requirement as well. Yeah, I've heard of partners in law firms charging their clients for thinking time. Um, it's <laughs> a little tricky to do, but wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Nice. I, I would love to dive into it a bit more because I'm sure when you are launching into your freelancing business and you're thinking, right, I'm going to focus on the HR and perhaps project management. So most consultants, when they start their own consultancy, they go down a very broad and generic path. Mm. And I love the fact that you've decided to focus on a particular niche. Was that a scary or a big decision for you to make to focus on the the theatre and performing arts sort of sector? Uh, it's, it's interesting. Gosh, that's the that's the opposite I'd use the opposite word of, of scary I think um I know for some people it, it the, the the scariness comes in feeling as though you're uh you're going too niche in that you then wouldn't have um such a a wide pool of ideal clients out there but actually um I'm about the, the quality not the quantity and I felt as though that's the area that I know that's mm. the area that I'm confident and passionate about and I have stepped outside of that area and and transferred my skills into a different sector 
And actually that didn't work for me. That that didn't feel like a comfortable fit. And I didn't feel as though I was uh, as doing my best work, essentially. Um, I was doing the best I could, but I didn't feel as though I was doing my best work. And that was very much on me. That's that's what I'm like. I tend to have very high expectations. And because because I knew that if I focused on the area where I am confident and comfortable, um, I would do my best work and I would be able to hopefully get a good name out there and um, become one of the the people that that people think about when they're wanting support in their small creative businesses. So I sort of learned through through the hard way. Um, And actually, when I decided I'm going to make more of a go of this, staying niche was very much at the core of of that decision. Um, You know, I didn't want to suddenly start broadening out um, because actually I know that's not what's going to make me happy and that's not not what what's going to make me perform my my best work Mm, I like that and when I'm coaching consultants on on this decision there are things that we discuss such as um, you know it's easy to get more testimonials or case studies from that same industry which then you can use to win new work Mm. Um, you've got a deeper understanding of situations but you raised a couple of things there that I think people would also appreciate and that's the the line you mentioned of quality over quantity that's mm. a really powerful thing a message to take away and then the other big one is the happiness yeah if you obviously you love this sector and you get great joy out of it other sectors who knows financial services or manufacturing they're not the same levels of passion that theater or performing arts will bring but when you know something inside out, you, you know the game, you know the industry, you can get into a state of flow. So, yeah, that's... Some- yeah, absolutely. And, of course, then you you take your passion outside yeah. of your work, don't you? Um, I just so happen to, in my spare time, also fulfil my passion. It's almost as if <laughs> I sort of live and, and breathe and eat and sleep theatre. Um, so, so, yeah, I'm really lucky. One of my jobs is actually based in my local theatre where I'm a member and I still do my stage managing and my backstage work there. Wow. Um, that's all, that's all voluntary, but I also happen to wear another hat there and, and work for a client who runs the performing arts school there. Brilliant. Do they ever have to kick you out of the building? Um, it has been known on a couple of occasions. <laughs> I have been, I'm usually the one locking up the building. Oh, yeah. to be fair. <laughs> oh, brilliant. So what's your advice to other consultants who are trying to find their niche or their focus point? Uh, I think I'd come back to that that word about passion. Um, find something that you're you're passionate about, or that you have a very thorough understanding and a lot of experience in, because it's going to make you feel confident about what you're doing. And I always think that confidence. There's a difference between being like overconfident and seeming, um, you know, a bit too a, a bit too sure of yourself. But but I think that actually what you want to show is how knowledgeable and experienced you are in a particular area and I think you'll also be excited about working in that area and you'll proactively progress focusing on that area as well yeah yeah that makes sense you mentioned earlier that you you started out as a freelancer and I said how you're sort of stepping it up uh, into a, a I don't know a business model if you like what did you do what sort of activities did you undertake to step it up a notch mm. um so Obviously, we've, we've talked about the fact that I predominantly work in the theatre industry and I don't think anyone out there living through this pandemic w- won't be aware that they've been massively hit yeah. um, by the situation, as have a lot of industries, but obviously the theatre industry in particular. Um, 
I had a lot of downtime, if I'm being honest, back in, in June, I actually thought, gosh, you know, I need to feel fulfilled. I need to be I need to be doing something. I can't just sit and wait. That's not my attitude. So, um, and I, I don't have, you know, I have a wonderful husband, but I don't have loads of kids running around that I had to start homeschooling. So, you Mm. know, I just thought, actually, I need to, I need to invest in me. I need to put some energy into positioning myself in the market for when the theatre industry is able to start operating again. And I very much focused on building up my network, finding out where my ideal clients were hanging out, um, thinking about what my LinkedIn profile looked like and and hitting that, what I sort of call magic 500 plus figure that appears, um, which I've managed to do, but I, but I, I still need it. I still need to creep it up a bit more, I think. Um, so I, I focused on LinkedIn quite a lot. And I know a lot of people have been utilizing LinkedIn a lot more during lockdown as well. Um, but I've even submitted a few proposals from from doing that work following new links that I made. So that already felt like a, a very positive step. That's cool. I also then thought, OK, I need to have, you know, where's my where's my HQ? Where's my head office? You know, when you work from home as a freelancer and although I have a wonderfully fully equipped office that, that I work from at home, I felt like I needed that online presence. Um, and LinkedIn is is one great way of doing it. Um, but I actually thought, no, let's. Let's go even further. Let's build a website. Um, I have a husband who is a web developer, but I thought, no, let's do this myself. <laughs> I'm an independent feminist. I can do this. <laughs> um, so I, I worked with a, a, an ex-consultancy colleague, actually, who was looking at building up her um, an arm of her business in teaching female business owners to take control of their online presence, build their own websites, maintain their own websites and not rely on sort of extortionate fees being paid out to yeah. web developers. Um, so I I did it. I, I built a WordPress website and I actually didn't show my husband until I practically finished it. And um, he was suitably impressed, shall we say. <laughs> he has given me some, some pointers. Um, so, you know, I, it was important that I showed it to, the, to various people before I put it out there in the big wide world. But yeah, I launched that properly at the beginning of September. Brilliant. So... And I think word of mouth has always played a massive important role in where I've got to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I don't want to, um, you know, dismiss that. That still needs to, to mm-hmm. play a big part. Um, so that, that will still be very much a focus. And yeah. then looking at the various different online summits and webinars and, and networks that you can join. And so I sort of focus on joining quite a few HR groups on Facebook um, attending digital digital summits and the CIPD um, did a, a digital conference earlier in the year that I went to as well. Yeah, and and you did a great job with the website, by the way. It looks fabulous. Thank we'll, you. We'll link to that <laughs> in the show notes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, thank you. My very first HR consulting website, I spent thousands of dollars on it through a web design agency and they did a great job. It looked fabulous, but it brought in no clients. So I had to do it on myself and that's where I learned the marketing stuff. That's where that story was born. But ever since you've yeah, just done my own WordPress site. So I'm very pleased to see you that you did that. Yeah. And you mentioned on, on LinkedIn, you know, you, you, you wanted to crack that 500 connections mm. and things like that. What exactly were you doing there? You were looking for people in your field and contacting them and saying hello, maybe doing some posts. Yeah. What were you doing on LinkedIn? Yeah, we, um, so my coach and I, we worked on actually a lot of background work before I even sort of started tapping things into LinkedIn and we we analysed who my ideal clients were through a lot of questions that um, I was asking, which is where 
I started to think more about what am I giving them back, you know, rather than what I'm providing them, actually, what are they gaining from working with me? Yeah. Um, and then once I'd identified who they were and, and the kind of role that they would have in, an in, in, a, in a company, um, that's when I started to um, sort of search on, on LinkedIn for those, those roles. Um, and actually, it's interesting because the theatre industry um, there are a lot of CEOs and COOs and chairs of theatre theatre boards um, out there on LinkedIn, but it's also thinking about the people, and they are the ultimate decision makers, of course, but it's also thinking about the people that are going to be operationally working with you. So I was looking at operation directors of, of companies as well, if, yeah. if, or general managers is a term that's often used in the theatre industry. Um, and making sure I wasn't just connecting with the ultimate decision makers, but also the people that could influence those decision makers and say, look, we really need to do something like this in the business. We really need to get this level of, of support and, and start implementing these sorts of things. And then, like you say, I was contacting them with individual messages, personalized individual messages. So it wasn't just clicking the connect button. It wasn't just sending a what I think of as like a BCC email where you're, where you're not personalizing it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that it, it, it's not a quick thing to do. You know, you have to sort of invest time in doing it and I'm trying to do a bit every week if I can. Um, but then it's also paying off because I've started a few conversations and arranged um, a, a Zoom meeting with somebody that, you know, is in, in quite a different um part of the, the country to, to where I am, which is interesting again for me because I've often worked quite locally and, and yeah. in London. And working with someone in another location will force you to look at how you provide your services, what services you'll offer them, how you yes. deliver them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. And so in terms of growing the business or taking it into the future, anything different or are you going to keep doing it as you're currently? I think for me, I want to build up my um my confidence in how I'm currently running it. Um, I think, again, one of the key things, not spreading yourself too thinly and making sure you're prioritizing and focusing on the things that you want to build up and doing a good job in those areas. So, you know, I could think about, do I want to, you know, set up my own Facebook group or do I want to run a podcast? But I'm not at that stage yet and I wouldn't want to compete with you either, Ben. But um, <laughs> I'm, I'm wanting to actually continue to, uh, really feel like I've um, got this working in the way that I want to before I start growing too too big to the point where I'm not maintaining that level of quality that I, I talked about earlier. Yeah. Uh, I forget the management book, but it's where well, they talk about the hedgehog or the hedgehog principle. The, the hedgehog can't run fast and it doesn't do any amazing tricks, but if it's being attacked, it rolls up and it's got this mm. one really good trick. It rolls up and it's got these spikes. It's going to defend itself. It knows its strength and it plays to that. Mm. So, yeah, mm. I like that. I'm not spreading yourself too thin. So what do you see coming down the road for HR itself in the world of work and particularly in theatre and the performing arts? And how should listeners get prepared for these changes? Yeah, I mean, the, the things that I thought of when I was, was preparing to, to chat to you were actually things that I think are already happening and won't won't be going anywhere fast and are the things that we need to be to be focusing on and the three things I thought about were flexible working working from home or working remotely and mental health and well-being and I think they're all quite intrinsically linked um, because I think as we all have experienced um, working from home can have effect an effect sorry on your mental health and well-being if you've not got 
a, a home environment that makes that easy for you. Um, so I think those are the three areas that, that we're already dealing with and that we need to continue focusing on and finding the, the ways for, particularly for small, in, small organisations in the theatre industry, finding the ways in which we can support our teams and our staff members to feel comfortable, um, particularly if they're coming back into an area like the West End um, of London, which is generally speaking, uh, when it's fully operational, a very busy, sort of highly, highly and densely populated area. And you've got to not just think about, I've got to get my staff back to work, but also how are they going to feel about coming back to work? How are they going to feel about making that journey into central London, for example? Mm. How are they going to feel about traveling on the tube? Um, so I've been already been doing this, this kind of work with some of my clients and it's also about recognizing that everybody's affected in different ways. It's almost like there's a scale of people that are just absolutely desperate to get back into the office and are probably people that have maybe been working alone and live alone and are desperate for that human contact, but then people that might have underlying health conditions, whether that's physical or mental, um, where they're actually really, really worried about going back, but also really, really worried about potentially saying anything in case it has a detrimental effect on then how they're viewed by their manager, by their peers, by their, by their, by their colleagues. So communication is a massive thing in terms of finding out how people are, are feeling. And then in terms of being able to look after them, thinking about what provisions have we got in the organisation And I've been working with a a couple of clients and looking at employee assistance programs, but not just ones that are, um, you know, necessarily the the 24 hour counselling line, but ones that will provide a little bit more than that, because this is this is a a situation that is going to have long term effects and people are going to need support for, for quite a while to come, I think. Yeah. That's interesting. Actually, on the EAP, I remember reading reports of it's all anonymous, of course, the number of phone calls made mm. to the line. And it was pretty rare that, that the lines were being used, but I imagine they, that's changed. And But yeah, just a simple phone line is not perhaps going to cut it these days with the whole COVID and yeah. everything's changed. Yeah. If people want to engage your services or partner with you, refer business to you, or just learn more about you, what should they do next? So I got, obviously I've got my website. Um, so I know that you very kindly said you'll, you'll put a link to that for me. Yeah. Um, but I'd love to hear from, from people out there that, like you say, might just want to know a little bit more. I, I don't have anything where, you know, you, you have to um, pay a fee before, uh, before you can engage my services or anything like that. I'm very much about, I'm still on a learning journey and I very much want to, to engage with and speak to people, um, not just leaders that might be interested in, in working with me, but other people that are maybe in a similar situation as well so we can learn from each other um but yeah I've, I've got my website I've got my um LinkedIn I can be contacted through LinkedIn um and so those are probably the the two best ways of of getting in touch and um if you're sharing those um in the notes that would be greatly appreciated no problem uh, do you want to call it out for people on the go and may not be looking at the notes yeah yeah absolutely um so the website is www and then my name rachel and that's spelt with just el at the end and then p for the word pudding maybe and then barker which is my surname barker.co.uk so rachel p barker.co.uk 
Brilliant. Well, Rachel, thank you very much for sharing your story and the amazing journey you've had so far in, in the world of HR and operations in theatre and, and beyond. Uh, I think it's a fabulous industry. It's going through some tough times, but it's great to see you're playing a small part to help it survive and then flourish as we turn the corner out of this terrible time that we've been through. So thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me and thank you to everyone for listening. Thanks for joining us today on A Better HR Business, the podcast that explores the world of HR consulting and HR tech businesses. For show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Remember to subscribe and share the show with any friends who are busy growing a HR business. Thanks and see you next time.